Generally Speaking About the Church, podcast episode number 120. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the About the Church podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And I am Robert Johnson. And Robert is here once again. We are, oh, goodness, what ha- it's been a couple weeks, I think. Yeah, <laughs> maybe a couple months. <laughs> maybe. It's been a little while. But anyway, we are back once again. Father, uh, Father, what was I saying? <laughs> You're welcome, my son. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Uh, anyway, let's just start this thing. Oh, this is crazy. I have no idea where I was going with that. Um, Robert, I have just come off of the craziest week. I don't know about you, but it's just been the craziest week for me personally. Yeah. Yeah. Strep Mine's throat. Been pretty crazy too. Very stressful. Very stressful for you too, huh? Yeah. Ugh. Horrible. R- really? What why yeah. I mean, so I mean, just lots of stuff happening or what? I don't know how many times we've talked, but um one of the things that I think God deals with me like in themes that like last a couple of years. Uh, like the last theme that I felt like God was dealing with me was relationships and how he's a relationship, how I relate to him as a relationship, how I relate to other people in him is all of this is relationship centered. It's really changed the way I look at a lot of things. And I think the next thing that he is um, beating me up over is my predetermined sense of fear in all things. And so this theme of fear comes up a lot where I feel like he is trying to show me not to be afraid. Okay. And so there's just all these things happen. And and then where I would normally see him in light of a relationship, I'm beginning to, to digest them in light of uh, what it means to be fearful or not fearful, you know? Um, in a bad way, not the good kind of fear, but like, um, you know, uh, scared, you know, yeah, unholy fear. So we, I, one of those things happened to have been, uh, something that happens at work about every year. It's called a disaster recovery, uh, testing. It's one of the things where, uh, my clients, you know, we, we test all of the backup procedures that we have and, and, um, just one of those things where my fear up until that moment was so strong that I didn't think it was going to go right. I, I had fears that it would be just horrible. And we were slated to do it Saturday and Friday. I was a mess. I mean, Friday, I felt like I was either going to die of a heart attack or I was going to emotionally break down and just start sobbing. I mean, it was that it was, it definitely left the emotional realm and I think was absolutely spiritual warfare. So Saturday comes, and I'm making a long story short. It goes horrible. It drags on to Sunday. Still goes horrible. Drags on to Monday. And Monday night we do it. And it goes horrible Monday night. <laughs> so my, my greatest fear of this whole thing like actually happened. The thing that I was afraid of Friday actually went through 
And by Tuesday, we kind of wrapped it up. And, you know, you look back and you go, wow, why, did, why was I so afraid? You know, why, why is it that the spirit of fear grips me before anything else? And that's just something that I think Lord's been working on me a lot. And just this last week, it was one of those, it was a big, it was a big game that day. So, yeah. Well, I, I tell you, fear is certainly fear and anxiety is is certainly something that has plagued me a whole lot. Uh, most, especially when, when I launched out, you know, the whole idea of stepping out of the boat and, and launching into my own career for the first time ever. And, right. And and you know, you know, am I ever going to make enough money? Am I going to put food on the table? And you know, right. are, is this ever going to really work out? And and it's crazy because last month, Robert. I praise God for this. Last month, I made more money. The business brought in more money. I earned more money mm-hmm. than I have ever earned before in my entire life in a single month. It blows your mind, doesn't it? Blows and my here's, mind. Here's what's funny. is A friend of mine had called me up, and he specifically called me to tell me um, what was going on in his life. And he's going out on his own and into a tattoo shop. He's an artist, and he's been doing art professionally for a while and been commissioned for some various works and stuff and on the side he's been picking up tattoo jobs well he was inspired to to start on his own so him and a friend of of his is um basically paying the the bill for the first year and then um you know getting it on its own but he calls me up and says you know i'm 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 doing it i'm going on my own and he goes i'm so afraid you know and i said tell me about it dude I said, it doesn't get any easier. Yeah. <laughs> he, he laughed. He's like, uh, are you joking? I said, no, not really. <laughs> I said, but what ends up happening is, is that a year goes by and you go, wow, I'm doing it. It's happening, you know? And then another year goes by and, and you're still doing it and it's still working out, you know? And and uh, I think he's doing it for the right reason. And I think his, his heart is pursuing God in it. And I think it'll be very cool for him, you know? Yeah. A very, very neat thing. But... Well, yeah, the other it, it the other like par- the other part of that though is is here you know last month the business made more money than I've ever made before in my life, and it, it's you know the second or week in in December and I'm like oh am I gonna make enough money this month <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was sick all last week I I laid on my back for four and a half days and yeah and 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 I'm still seeing the money come in and I'm still fearful of whether or not there's gonna be enough and I'm like isn't that crazy it is crazy hey I I pulled up a website when you first started sharing your your story about fear and and I don't know if you've ever heard this but I'm gonna read this. Uh, I'll start off with the first phrase here. I heard once someone say that 90% of the things we fear never happen. Have you ever heard that before? No. Okay. I I have. I've heard this a lot, that 90% of the things that people fear never happen. A further 9% of the things that we fear that do happen, we often make happen ourselves. For, for that, I believe. <laughs> for example, a person who has a deep fear of losing his job may become so anxious about making a mistake that he will not be able to perform well and will continually seek co-workers' approval. His productivity will decrease, which will eventually lead to him being laid off. It's, I think, a kind of a thin argument, but I see the point that it's making, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and for me, it, the, the fear was, you know, am I going to make enough money? Am I going to make enough money? 
And that fear sometimes kept me from being productive. You know, that right. I, I, I remember early on in starting this career that I spent a good deal of time actually worrying. And, yeah. and when I was worrying, I wasn't being creative with my thought process on creative ways to earn income. Right. You were worrying and it was unproductive thinking. It wasn't just worrying. It, I don't want to, how do you say It this? was opportunity can, cost. Yeah. Yeah. You can worry and have it spur, like you said, a creative process, but that's very hard to do on purpose yeah. for me, you know? Yeah. I mean, th- now there are sometimes when I have a deadline and a deadline you know, it's like the fear of not meeting a deadline is is so crazy that I'm like, this motivates me. And sometimes yeah. that stress is is very helpful to me. And sometimes yeah. the- I wish that I worked like I did under pressure without the stress all the time. Does that make sense? Yes. If if I've got three weeks to do something, I work best in the last three days. Mm-hmm. You know, and if I can do that three days all the time. I probably wouldn't have the stress that I do in those three days, you know? I don't yeah. know what it is. I I had a project that I had all week long to do this week. I mean, literally all week long. And I came down with strep throat. And I mean, I was out. Out for the count. And I had two deadlines to meet this weekend. And I'll tell you what, just the fact that it's like, you know, Saturday, I can sit upright. Boom, I got in front of my computer. Deadline number one completely met in record time. And then I'm like, you know what? I've I'm completely wore out. I am going to work on this other project that is debt. It's due by the end of tomorrow, and I started it the very next day. And by golly, it it was amazing. I I got it done in record time. Mm. Yeah, and, that, I I'm the same way. It makes me actually razor focused on whatever it is, especially like if there's a problem, and if I'm thinking about it in a lazy way, I just kind of not figure it out but when i i have to figure it out there's something in my mind that just thinks a little deeper a little farther a little differently that usually i can solve the problem under pressure when i normally can't i don't know maybe i just don't push myself far enough i don't know what the deal is what do you think about jesus and saying be anxious about nothing or or is that or did paul say that well, Jesus definitely spoke about it. Even he, he, Paul said, yeah, said don't, it. he said, "Yeah, don't." He said, "Don't worry about what you will eat or what you drink." But there's, there's, be anxious about nothing is one of the scriptures. Yeah, and to me, in in a weird sense, I actually don't think or worry about what I'll eat or what I'll wear. It's Philippians, but, by the way. But I definitely worry about other things. You know. Yeah. And that's not right. It's not right. It basically, I guess that would have been Paul writing to the Philippian church, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell, what, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. What is it? Philippians what? Philippians 4, 6. And that was, I just read that from the New Living Translation. The NIV is, do, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Uh, supplication. 
Yes, where's the supplicate? Oh, that is the English standard version. Yeah, Do yeah. not be anxious about anything, but every, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be no- made known to God. Did I tell you about my new Bible reading plan that I'm excited about? You told me you were excited about a new Bible reading plan, but tell me about are, it. Are you excited to hear about it or am I wasting my breath? Well, I, I'm sure that there are people waiting with bated <laughs> breath to hear this so i'm not going to lie to you and tell you that i'm excited about hearing about it but but actually i am now that now that we are bringing it out so tell me about it all right let's see i'm not lying though i am somewhat interested the i'm going to send you a link to a scribbed document it's really just a pdf okay but it is a pdf of the guy's uh bible reading system basically you read 10 chapters professor grant horner yeah, awesome, huh? Nice. Okay, go ahead. We're friends on Facebook. <laughs> Are you really? <laughs> yeah. Professor Horner. It, Horner. And uh, you read 10 chapters a day, and list, there are 10 lists, basically, and there are different books that you read over and over. So list one is the gospel, the four gospels, Matthew, Matthew Mark, Luke, and John. Mm-hmm. You read this every day, all, these, all 10 things. You'll make... You'll get through that in 89 days. Okay, so the second list is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay, you get through that every 187 days. And list seven is just Proverbs. So you read, you end up reading Proverbs, the whole book, every month. Mm-hmm. Same thing with like Acts. It takes 28 days to get through the book of Acts. Okay. But... As you read each day, each one of these 10 different lists, on purpose, you read Acts every month. And the idea is so that you are aware, keenly aware of what the New, Ter- the New Testament church was like, how it began, and how it should frame our minds for our own church expression. Hmm. Same thing with the Gospels. You read the Gospels, you know, basically every three months, you know. Same thing with Proverbs, because if you read the book of Proverbs, the first like five or six chapters of Proverbs basically says, in these words are the way of life. You know, it basically says at the beginning of each chapter, read these words and live by them and everything will be good, you know? So you read that every month. And then um, the list, the longest one is the some of the prophets so like list nine includes isaiah jeremiah and all the all all these prophets so anyway as you go farther you then begin to read the bible in its entirety as a single voice versus say the voice of paul and you it's so strange you almost see it immediately and then there's like a there's a forum online that you can go to that other people have been reading it for a while. And the, the purpose of it is not to stop and study something that hits you, you know. It is to begin to see the relationship between the other books in its entirety. See what I'm saying? Mm, kind of. So instead of instead of just reading like Acts for the sake of reading Acts like a new New Testament historical document, you begin to see Acts in light of other other Old Testament books that shed light on why they did what they did in Acts. 
Mm. You see what I'm saying? Right. And it begin, it, the Bible kind of begins to be a commentary on itself. It's kind of fascinating. I kind of I noticed a theme right away, and it's going to sound really silly. But I noticed that just in the first week, you know, of reading 10 chapters a day, God really hates sin. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I laugh like that. I was thinking so much of my church experience and expression nowadays is so full of grace, so full of the idea that it's okay. You know, God still loves you. I know you're in a bad place. I know you've done bad things. I know the world's bad and God's got grace. And that's not, I'm not saying that that's not true, Mm -hmm. but what hit me was not God's grace in the first seven days. It was God really, really can't and doesn't like sin. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It just framed my mind a little different in the way that I, in the way that I see other people, the way that I question my own motivations and a lot of things, you know? So, I mean, that's one thing that I don't know. It, it, I think it's just the effect, just the fact that I'm reading the Bible again, like I did when you gave me the one you gave me. What the life and, application? Yeah. And when I read that one, like, you know, I, I'd be at work reading that one, like, Oh, I hope nobody's looking. Cause I just can't put this book down, you know? Right. It, it feels like that again. So I'm well, excited. That's, that's awesome. And this this service that you're using is called Scribd. This well, Scribd is just a you just upload PDFs and stuff. It's just like a document thing. Oh, so this isn't necessarily that whole right? Yeah, Scribd is just like a Facebook for PDFs. <laughs> Sounds ridiculous, but it's. I kind was going to say I'm looking at some of the people because it says, "Hey, these are the friends of yours on." Facebook that are already using Scribd and I'm thinking it's like man these the I'm looking at some of the people it's showing me and I won't say their names I'm like I never, <laughs> I never would have guessed that they'd be going through this reading program that Robert's talking about no 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 it's, it's just where you're storing you can store and view PDFs with it out without it actually being Adobe all right you know what I'm so, saying? so what? can I share this uh, is this open to anybody this this document that you gave to me uh, yeah all I did was search Google's Professor Grant Horton's Bible reading system, and this was the first one that came up. All right. Well, what I'm doing is I'm creating a link to this just in case anybody listening to this podcast wants to see it. And yeah. it's going to be gspn.tv slash Rob's Bible Notes. And that's all one word, R-O-B-S Bible Notes. So gspn.tv slash Rob's Bible Notes. And you can go and you too can look at the uh, the notes that Robert shared with me and that I looked at it it looks looks complicated is is how well I he would... tells the story of why he came up with it which is kind of a neat story in it in itself as to why he came up with this um anyway it, it it's worth the read it it's it's neat okay and how did you hear about this I was using U version and looking at the um the Bible reading plans. And like a year and a half ago, I just randomly clicked this plan and I went back to you version a year ago, which is now. And it was like, Hey, look, I'm 900 days short of reading my my Bible. So I was just looking at what this plan was. And I went, well, I have no idea what this is. And so I just started looking it up. So it's just kind of random. And how long have you been doing it? uh, About a month. Yeah. And you've been reading every day? 
I have been reading every day. Now, I've not been reading how I'm supposed to read every day. This last stressful week, I've it's been off. But right. up until then, I was reading it pretty, pretty hard, uh, hardcore. Though I miss it, you know, I'm I'm looking to get back to it. So, what are you reading these days? How how are you reading the Bible? Um, you know, is are you pulling out a Bible, a physical Bible? Are you reading online? What are you doing? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because part of the, his idea in this is to pick a favorite Bible and to read the 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 actual book. So I picked this one. Is my video still on? No, you stopped your video a little while ago. Let me turn my video on. So I picked this one. There you are. See that? Looks like a black Bible. Yeah, I see that. It's a Christian standard, a Holman Christian standard Bible. Okay. Is that like its It's own translation or something? Yeah, that's a translation. Okay. And uh, I picked it because it's skinny. Mm -hmm. And it's in... What ends up, I was going to do the message. Yeah. But what ends up with the message in my mind is that I go, is that really what it says? And then I always go look at another translation. Right. And I go, well, yeah, that's really what that says. You know, I, I get that. But it's so different, the message is. Yeah. It's almost like I can't believe it the first time I read it. So I end up, and that's the defeats the purpose. The, the purpose is you read a chapter, should take you four to five minutes a chapter. You read 10 chapters, it should take you you know, 45 minutes, 50 minutes, you don't stop and study. You don't follow cross-reference. You just read these through and digest it, you know. And over time, you begin to see things. But his point is, is you read the same one all the time so you can begin to actually know where it is. So you know where Psalms 119 is and where that verse lands on the page so it becomes more uh, interactive to you. Okay. Now, I will have to say that I do like to listen to the audio Bible, actually, and I end up listening to a lot, but I do like reading, and I'm kind of trying to stick to this one just as a reading Bible, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of what I'm doing. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, it feels good. It's energized me enough to to read it some more, to be excited for it again, and I haven't been excited for reading the Bible in a long time, to be honest with you. That that is, I'm excited to hear that you're excited because I've not been excited about reading the Bible in quite some time, and and I don't know why. I actually I have some thoughts on that. Um, I think that you know, obviously, I, I've read the Bible several times through, and and I have an understanding of of what's in there. There have been many times that that I felt like, wow, this is this is interesting. This is great stuff, and and sometimes I'll share something with a somebody who is quote unquote you know schooled in the ways of Bible interpretation, and they're saying, well, you know, that's not what it really says. You have to really know the Greek and the Hebrew to actually get to the root understanding of what this word means, and and if you do this, then then you'll realize that you, basically your understanding of the Bible really is rudimentary, elementary, and it sucks, and you pretty much don't know anything. <laughs> And I'm like, well, screw this stuff then. Yeah. You know, it's like if, if you yeah. have to know Greek and Hebrew before you can understand anything, why bother? And, and, and I just don't understand that. And of course, I think that, that I let that all become an excuse for me. But uh, well, no, it's, and, and it's a valid excuse. I think my desire, I would love to be able to read original languages, but that's just because I'm crazy. nerdy that way. And it would be fascinating to me because I like the historical bent on it too. 
but I would never, I don't think I would, well, I say I never would, because I have actually in the <laughs> past said something akin to that. But I don't want to be a kind of person that says, well, if you don't look at it this way, then you just don't understand it. You know? Right. That, that's almost very much like a Pharisee or a, you know, Sadducee saying that how we know it and how we do it is exactly how it needs to be done. Though, one of the things that I like about this particular reading system is the fact that he's not saying consult these commentaries. He's saying read it as one book, book but just, you know, you're taking it in not, in, not in slivers of segments, but in its entirety because you're reading from a wide range every day. So you'll read the story of Joshua along with Psalms, along with Isaiah and some of the New Testament and you know what I'm saying? So it kind of just like reads as one cohesive thing instead of 66 different books put together, you know? Hmm. But I do think that the people that say things like you need to read the Greek to really understand that aren't trying to turn you off from it. I think they're trying to help people know it more. Yeah, At least no, that's what no, I want no, to believe. I, no, I understand that, and I, and I believe that. I, I I do know that. Um, you know, but there there's just been some frustrating. It's like yeah, it's like okay, technically speaking, I see where you're coming from, but still, what I believe to be true, whether or not I pick the right verse to really support my case, I still have discerned that this is exactly what God wants how's me wants me to live in this area of my life. Okay, maybe I didn't pick the best Bible verse to help back up and support my case. Uh, right, but can you argue with the point? It's like, no, no, I, th- I see what you're coming from, and yeah, I think that that's probably a good worldview. Blah 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 blah. But that's right. not the verse you want to use to support that, because <laughs> well, because and, wherever two or more are gathered, that doesn't mean Jesus is right there. It's like what, <laughs> whatever. It'd be frustrating to have it's a, just, a conversation. Yeah, it, you know, it was like that. Yeah, it it it. You know, if, again, like I said, I've. I've also had some issues and, and some other issues is where uh, it's just like you look at the number of people who have taken scripture, you know, bits and pieces, and they pull those out and they highlight them. And it's the same, it's a it, matter of fact, the same friends who will tell you that, well, you can't just look at it this way. They, they're really frustrated by people who do this, who say, you know, you know, God hates this. And they point out one certain aspect or one certain this or that and um they say you know obviously this this is wrong and they said well you know yeah but you can't take that out of context of this 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 and this and and then it's like okay well what what is the real context what is the whole thing you know and well and i think that's why people try to go back to the original language is to pick up the original context of, of, of this stuff but i i don't think there's that many things in the Bible where you really need to do that. I, like, the first one that comes to my mind that I question is women wearing head coverings and speaking in front of other people. You right. know, why would Paul say that? Yeah. Yeah, what's the, what's the context of that? Or let, because you, that, let the dead go bury the dead. You know, it's like, listen, either, you, either you're going to follow me or you're going to go bury your dad. You know, that, that one, you know, that kind of, unless you hate your brother, your mother and father, you cannot be my disciple. I mean, there's some really weird things that, you know, well, on the see, surface. Well, see, that one, I can, I can understand that one immediately. Well, I say immediately, but I can see how that one is 
a symbol or an analogy or uh, a play on the words. What I don't see are the concepts, you know. When he says that you'll have to, he, he, to me, I immediately think, well, what he's saying is, if you're not willing to hate your brother and love me, then you're not worthy to be my follower. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I, I immediately understand that. Whether that's the right thing or what he, what he, that's what he meant in the Greek or whatever, that, I don't know. But that's what I, I'm pretty sure about that. It's when Paul says, yeah, you know, the women, they need to cover their heads. Mm-hmm. And I go, really? Is that a symbol for something that I don't get? Or does he really expect women to cover their heads? You know? Right. So, I don't know. I think that, um, I think it's interesting because I think the New Testament church didn't have the Bible as as we know it as the Bible. I think the majority of them didn't read it in the way that we read it. I don't think they had Grant Horner's Bible reading system. You know, I think a lot of the information was already digest, digested for them and given to them in a way that they could take and understand. And I think that they went okay, I guess, you know. And here's the, here's the one thing that I would say about the new church. If there's, if there's one way that I could sum up how I felt like they lived, lived their lives is they, were, they lived a life led by the Holy Spirit. And that's the, let me ask you a very hard question to answer. Do you feel like you're being led by the Holy Spirit on a daily basis? I do. Whether I, I don't think that I'm always aware of it, and I don't think that I'm always mindful of it, but I certainly do believe that uh, I am in a place where I am being led by the Spirit. Um, Let me say it a different way. Okay. Not in a not in a predestined kind of way, but in a personal way where oh. the Holy Spirit is speaking to you on a daily basis. And you go, I understand, Holy Spirit, I'll eat McDonald's for lunch or not. <laughs> Bad example, but you get what yeah. I'm saying. Um, yes, yes, I, I would say that. Not, now, whether or not I acknowledge that prompting as the Holy Spirit, I don't know that I, I can say that. But I certainly, am, I, I do feel guidance of things that I should or should not do that I think are outside of myself. And and I certainly, when I sit down and think about them, it's like, this is the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I recognize that, I, I recognize it from from my years of being led by the Spirit. It, it's interesting that you asked that question, because <clears throat> you know how I, you know, one every time we record an About the Church podcast, I always like to bring out a thing that my pastor says that, that I kind of <laughs> question. So we need a jingle for this right. section of the uh, of the podcast, which I, I hate that because I love my pastor and 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 this one I am actually going to say I think that I'm I I am definitely understand his heart in this one, although it, it got me to thinking. This is something that he he said in his sermon, and I think he said it at least five, maybe ten times. This phrase: mm-hmm. "You're either walking toward Jesus or walking away from Him." Which is it? You're either walking toward Jesus or walking away from him. And and I heard that and I'm like, okay, do I feel in this place in my life right now, do I feel like I'm walking toward Jesus? And if I had to if I had to answer that honestly, I would say mm, It's a lateral mm, movement. <laughs> no, no, I would not. So with that phrase, then the obvious 
the only other obvious thing is that I must obviously be walking away from Jesus. That I I'm literally, you know, uh, what what would what was the phrase that we were using before? I've I've kind of uh, shut down. No, um, backslidden. Well, backslidden isn't the. I mean, we're we're too good. We we don't use that kind of language in our church. Too, too uh, good for that. We're we're. Um, oh goodness, you've already checked out. I've checked out. Checked you know, out. Checked out. That's it. That's the new backslidden language. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, the the thing is, is you know, have, am I either walking towards Jesus or away from Him? And I would say I'm probably not walking any closer to Him, uh, you know, than I have been in a while. But um, the question is, is because I'm not walking toward, I don't know that I can completely agree that I'm walking away from. Well, I would have to agree with what you just said. I don't. I think the statement's kind of flawed in itself, but I understand where I think he's coming from. I do too. You know, he's calling us to say we ought to do everything in our lives that would honor God at every moment. We should not that it has to be a long, drawn out battle, but everything that we do ought to we ought to please God in it. Not we ought to live such a life that our life is a sacrifice. At any moment that we're doing it, we're doing it. for God and that when he comes and he sees us in that moment of whatever we're doing that we go I'm doing this for you Jesus right here yeah you know and um, I think your pastor's point is well when you're not doing that you're you're neglecting him and that's not a good place to be right I I, I do I do somewhat see where where the point was but still at, at this place where something I wrote down I said well what about just being with Jesus, you know, is is that an option? And and, and again, this isn't. Let, let's forget about you know. I don't want this to be an argument against you know the phrase that my pastor gave. But you know, what what about when Jesus says, "Be still, and just know that I'm God." You know, it's like all you who are weary and heavy laden, you know, come to me, and I'll give you rest. And of course, okay, well then then you're going towards <laughs> Jesus, aren't you? He's, he's coming, coming to Jesus. <laughs> but, but what about, okay, and of course, I know that this theologically is going to not stand up, so so please uh, send your emails to feedback at somewhere else.com uh, because I know this one isn't going to stand up to anything, but what about the footprints poem? <laughs> yeah, that is, that's some deep. <laughs> that's a deep, deep theology deep. right there. Because, you know, there aren't there times when, when you know, you got two sets of footprints and, and then all of a sudden you notice that during some of the more trying times in life and some of the more stressful times and, and lonely times, you only see the one set of footprints. And so, obviously, you know... My mom at, had at, this on <laughs> Exactly. And so, exactly. So, what I'm saying, though, is that, there, you know, obviously at that, th- at that time you're not walking towards Jesus because... You know, you you must be walking away because Jesus isn't there, and you're not walking towards Him. So therefore, you must be walking away from Him. But in fact, you find out that the one set of footprints are Jesus's, and he, you're in His arms, and He's carrying you during this point in your life. And so therefore, Let me tell you something. yeah. The first time I read that, <laughs> yeah, that last line, it hit me hard. Yeah, I teared up a little bit that first time. It was kind of like hearing the first. Time the first time you hear the Christmas shoes song, you know it gets you the first time. <laughs> then it doesn't, and then you're kind of angry at it. <laughs> but listen, what was I going to say? I, was gonna say <laughs> I don't something. know. I'm waiting. <laughs> your uh, theology footprints. 
I lost it. So, so, so you're not walking with Jesus. You're not walking oh, towards him. I remember. Yeah. This, and it's interesting you brought this question up, but this in my mind was in that theme of my life when I learned about relationships. And this is where what. <laughs> uh oh, you froze. Say that again, Rob. You froze. Math. Oh, I'm sorry. Where I used to think about God was an intellectual, mathematical, logical, you know, way of trying to think of him. I would think of ways of framing it like your pastor said, you know, if you're not walking towards him, then you're walking away. That's like an Excel formula right there. If yeah. then, you know this. And that's how I used to try to understand God. And in part of that time of my life where I saw God as a relationship, it it kind of blew away some of those boundaries that I had for God, which is he doesn't fit in that little nice thing right there because he's a relationship. Yeah. And I am in relation to him. And it's not a, an Excel spreadsheet that we're talking about. It's about a living God that lives in us and wants uh, to commune with us and wants to share in everything with us. And it's not, you know, we're not talking, we're not walking. You know, I'm not walking towards Jesus. I, he has no feet right now. Right. You know. Well, here, here's the next thing. That, and I wrote all of this down as I was in the church service. And so here's the next thing I wrote on this piece of paper. I oftentimes feel like I've spent so much of my life walking toward Jesus, uh, walking toward him, only to find out that he was simply there the whole time. You know, yeah. and I didn't need to walk anywhere. I was like a blind man whose eyes were suddenly opened. Mm. You know, and, and, and so sometimes I, I think we, I, I get, and, and this is this is something I, I, I hear a lot, and I, and I wonder if I'm becoming too post- Post is it postmodern, post Christian? I don't know what you call it, but uh, if I'm getting too caught up in my own culture's culture, uh, yeah. But but because you know, oftentimes I hear about how many times it's like, well, sometimes we have these rules and these regulations and these things, these do's and don'ts, because they really help us, you know, form you know a, a good feeling about ourselves or or something like that, and and it's almost where you know religion can kind of be a crutch. And and I don't want don't want anything to do with that. I I want to I want to want God. I don't want to want God because wanting God means I'm closer to God. Mm-hmm. Did that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> it, I you know I think what some people call it is post even. Uh, the guy that I have been reading lately calls it post e. What's he call it? I don't know post. Evangelism, post evangelicalism, something. Yeah, you know, we're we're <laughs> we've moved beyond you know giving people tracks and and yes. Billy Graham crusades and stuff, and now we're really spiritual about things, you know. And you're right. The point isn't to be spiritual. The point is to know and love God more. And whether or not we get there. What are you saying, wife? Uh oh, the wife is speaking. What? We no, that, you, know, you can't bang on these that. messages. She's asking me if I, she can bang on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you can wait for a minute. Can you wait for a minute, please? We don't want to be so spiritual as to be in the present 
of just being spiritual all the time. Right. It, you know, we don't, I, I don't want to, I don't want it to be where I am just seeking the feeling of God, but seeking God rather than just, you know, a lot of people that I hear talk, talk about being in God's presence. Mm-hmm. And I know what they're saying, but it's, it's like they are seeking his presence or the effects of his presence and not seeking him. See what I'm saying? Yeah. You know? So I'm with you. I don't want to be the kind of person that seeks his presence. I want to be the kind of person that seeks him. Right. And I don't know if there's a big difference, but I feel like a lot of people make a big difference out of that. Yeah. You know? Well, here's the thing. I, I, I do want to point out that I'm not, I'm not arguing against my pastor's statement. I just want to say that my pastor's statement really got me to think at a different level. Mm-hmm. And it and it did get me to think. It did get me to when think. When he sees you writing down in this, he's got to go, oh, crap. Oh, no. <laughs> Cliff's <laughs> writing something down now. You could be writing down, you know, your grocery list, but he's thinking <laughs> he's going to talk about this. And I don't know I'm if just... he even <laughs> listens, but uh, I'm sure he probably does, actually. But <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Chad. I really do. <laughs> I'm just I'm just really messed up in the head. But hey, uh, I know you have to run here shortly, and this this feedback that I'm going to play is like eight minutes in length. I think the the end of it is actually him playing a audio clip. I think I'm going to just stop at that point. But I I want you to hear what Paul Hambrick, Doctor Paul Hambrick, actually um, gave us some feedback after our last episode. So I'm going to mute us here for a moment. Okay, Rob. Okay. Here we go. Hey, Cliff. This is Doctor Paul Hambrick, and this is feedback for the About the Church podcast. I really enjoy any all any and all things ecclesiastical, so I love it when a new About the Church podcast gets published. And I wanted to address a few points concerning the last episode, which was episode number 119. After you finish the Epic of Eden, you may want to check out another book that addresses the same issues in the same manner called God of Promise by Michael Horton. God of Promise focuses more on the structure of the covenants and how unique the covenant with Abraham in particular was. And this is much too deep of a topic to get into right now, but God of Promise is very eye-opening in light of Christ. It's a short book, but very meaty, so it could take some time to get through. Uh, At least it did for me. I wanted to specifically address two points concerning your discussion with Robert. Uh, The first is, Cliff, I really, really appreciate what you do. You have helped me tremendously with some decisions that I needed to make concerning podcasting, and that is just from the material that you've made you've made available for free and through the uh, premium membership. Uh, I'm sure you have a client list a mile long, full of clients who feel even stronger than I do about how much value you've brought them and how much help you've given them, whether it was pragmatic or just empowerment, empowerment. And it's obvious that you're very, very good at being a podcast consultant and that you enjoy it tremendously. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, and there is no reason for you to ever think otherwise unless you are specifically being led to do something else, of course. Um, Martin Luther was known for saying, God doesn't need your good works, your neighbor does. Um, one day he was approached by a, a working man and was asked how he could serve the Lord. And so Luther asked him, well, what is your work now? And the man replied, I'm a shoemaker. So Luther said, well, then make a good shoe and sell it at a fair price. And I love, I love how blunt 
he was. Anyway, Jesus said uh, in Matthew ten forty two, and whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. If we are a Christ follower, then the works that we do are beneficial to those who need them, and we can rest in that and be content. There are no good works that we can do that will please God because even our righteousness is as filthy rags. Christ did it all. He paid all of our debts in full. We owe God nothing. Cliff, because of Christ, you are free to be the podcast answer man, and you are free to do it to the glory of God. So don't be questioning, you know, whether or not you should be doing more for the church uh, because you're doing what you need to be doing. Um the second point I wanted to address was your discontent with church and uh, and how you weren't feeling connected. And this is completely normal. Every healthy Christian will go through these emotional ups and downs. You're going to have highs. You're going to have lows. You're going to feel completely plugged in, and there are times when you won't. But none of that changes the fact, the historical fact, that God became flesh, became a man, and lived the perfect life that we could never live, obeying every single law we could never obey, dying in our place, and resurrecting on the third day for our justification. Always look outside yourself, Cliff, to the cross, because that never changes. Christ came for you. He lived a perfect life for you. He died for you. He defeated death for you. And this is the good news. It is the gospel. And even Christians need to hear this every single Sunday. When we go to church, we are assembling with the saints to be reminded of what Christ did for us. We are every Sunday to receive Christ through the preaching of the word and through the sacraments, which is just the word in a different form. The gospel is not just the thing that saves us, it's the very thing that sustains us. Unfortunately, if you're not hearing the gospel at your church on Sunday, you're probably hearing more law, which does nothing but condemn us. Seven steps to do blank. How to be a better blank. What to do when your blank is not blank. That's not the gospel, it's law. And if we don't hear the gospel, only law, then we are never, ever satisfied. We are never at peace. But that doesn't change your connection to Christ, even if you don't feel plugged in. You were connected with Christ through your baptism, as we learn in Romans 6, uh, 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So no matter how you feel, you can always look back in history to the cross and what Christ did for you, and you can always know that you were made a part of that through your baptism. The catch is, you really need to be reminded of this every single Sunday so you can face another week of consulting and podcasting refreshed and renewed. Okay, I'm sorry this feedback has been so long, but I just uh, I wanted to end it with just a little bit of, um, of uh, a piece from one of my favorite podcasts. It's called Issues Etc., and it's hosted by uh, Pastor Todd Wilkin. Um, and you can find um, that podcast at issuesetc.org. 
But uh, before before I play that, I just Cliff and Robert, I love you. I love what you do, and I just hope you realize you're making a difference in more lives than you know. That the Holy Trinity really is present among us on Sunday morning by His Word and His sacraments. God is there. Jesus is there. If we really believe that, would we act like a bunch of unruly teenagers on Sunday morning? If we really believe Jesus is here, would we constantly tinker with our prayers? Would we constantly tinker with our songs? Would we constantly tinker with the ears of our listeners by preaching this and that and the other thing and just about everything that there is under the sun except Jesus is here for you? in his body and blood, for the forgiveness of sins. The crucified and risen Savior, really, truly here today for you, saving you, preaching to you, washing you clean of your sins, and feeding you with his own body and blood. You see, it's all about what you think is really going on on Sunday morning. If you think it's about what you're doing, about your song, your prayer, your words to speak to God, then yes, it's going to look very different than if you think it's about what he's doing, his presence, his words spoken to you. The one that is worship as what I do for God will get you nowhere. It will really get you nowhere and it will get you nothing. The other brings to you everything, everything Christ has purchased for you, by his perfect life, death, and resurrection. More than that, it brings you Jesus Christ himself, your Savior. There you go. Wow. There's a lot of good stuff there. Dr. Paul Hambrick, um, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, when I first saw the, the message come through and I saw that it was, you know, eight and a half minutes or whatever it was, I'm like, oh, no. And I, after I, I previewed it, fear, fear. no, <laughs> after I previewed it, Rob, I, I listened to it and I tell you what, it, it, it washed over my soul like a healing salve. And I know that that sounds ultra cheesy, you know, it's very I'm, hyper spiritual too, <laughs> but I'm telling you, I'm seriously, it, 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 there were, there were so many things that he said that that were really good. And I loved it because I said, this is the good part. This is the good part. And of course, it's been, you know, it's been about a month since he sent this in. And he's like, what? The one where he's kissing your butt? Because <laughs> <laughs> we're chatting back and forth. Uh, but, but no, I said, no, he's getting to it. He's getting to it. And um, I, I, we, we were chatting and I, and I wrote down a couple things that uh, that really stand out to me. And I love... The one where he says, listen, Cliff, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And then I loved when he said, um, you know, God doesn't need your good works. Your neighbor does. And of course, he was telling the story about, was that Martin Luther? Mm-hmm. And I love that. It's like, listen, you know, go go make a good pair of shoes and sell it at a, at a fair wage, you know, that at a fair price. That, that go do that for, and, and you're contributing. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, rest. I want to share. I was I was compelled to share something that I'd read that has uh, stuck out, and it's First Timothy one five, and now it says, "Now the goal of our instruction is love, from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith." But I love the idea that that 
the whole goal of it, and of course, it was said, you know, the greatest commandment is tied up in in loving God, loving yourself, loving your neighbor, not loving yourself. That came out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> love God, love your neighbor. Yeah, as yourself. No, yes. how's that go? We should look that up. Anyway, the point is to love, you know, and it it, it means something when you do what you love. And you are honoring God sincerely in doing that. And other people are befe- are benefiting, like he said, you know. God is already perfect without us. He doesn't need any of us. In fact, those that are around us are what needs uh, love from us, you know. And that's how we can be an instrument and be used by God. And I think that's how we, and just to tie it all back, that's how you can feel God's presence is by serving others in love and being his hands and his feet and, and not in the way that like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to diminish anything like um, communion stewards. Cause obviously that's a good thing too. But my, you know, somebody that is hungry and has no food and you can give them food. That's a real, real benefit. You know, not that the other isn't, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. That was great feedback. That was, was very good. It was good. The the one thing he said that I, you know, that kind of strikes against things that I've been taught all my life is, and, and, and I tur- I certainly understand rest and be content. I certainly understand that one. I understand no good works we can do can never please God because they're all like filthy rags. I completely get that. But he actually said we owe God nothing. Well, and, it's because he paid for it all. Well, I know, but it's like, see, you had that second part and it makes sense. Yeah, but but it's still so shocking to me to hear that we don't owe God anything. Yeah, because that's not what I hear. No, oftentimes I hear how much we owe God. Right. That is the basis, by the way, of freedom. I know, and and that's what I'm saying. It's, I, it it blows my mind how much as a Christian, how much I know that, that, you know, it's a gift from God and it's free and it's paid for, but how much I I'm just now, it just now it it just screams at me. It's like, dude, I live a life feeling like I owe God something and I'm just not given enough. Yeah. You owe it to him to read more of your Bible on a regular (laughs) basis. That's exactly it. You know, (laughs) I, I need to read Dr. Horton. Here's a who. And Dr. Horton, here's a who in 27 minutes. Exactly. Let's do some prayer, brother. Let's do it. Father, I just want to thank you for Rob and I thank you for this time together. And, and, um, you know, I thank you for your spirit, just speaking to our hearts and uh, staying with us, and and I thank you specifically for me, Lord, that uh, while I've I've certainly allowed myself to um, be complacent in many areas of my life, but at some times I believe that I've just been so focused and hyper focused in other areas that oftentimes I'm led to feel guilty for for not feeling as connected. You know, I go to church and I don't feel connected to to certain things and and I find myself distracted by so many other things and and um you know, I don't know why but and and maybe it's just me. Maybe I, maybe I'm just letting myself off the hook, but I, sometimes I just feel like, you know what, God, I I am connected to you. I do sense your presence. Um I was talking with Rob this week and and about how you know, I, I can't remember his name now. Uh, Brother Lawrence, I think, is his name. The practice of the presence of God. Not that I'm anywhere at his spiritual level, but I, I just recognize, God, that you are everywhere. 
that, that, you know, on my way to church or my sitting down here in my studio behind the microphone or laying in bed at night uh, in the middle of the night being woke up because of a terrible nightmare and then all of a sudden uh, saying some prayers for somebody who's on, who's heavy on my heart, um, I recognize you're there and, and that, that I am connected. I feel I'm calling out to you when, when, there, whenever I, I start to face a, uh, a, a bout of anxiety about something that's happening, I, I, I don't get on my hands and knees and, and bow down and start saying some kind of, re, you know, remember, memorized prayer. But, but I actually sit down and, and, and right where I'm at instantly, dear God, help, help me through this or God be with this person or help, you know, what should I do here, Lord? Or God's, Help me. I, I, I'm sorry that I'm not, I don't feel more connected to you. But, but at the same time, I, I feel that you are there. And, and, and while I don't acknowledge your presence 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there, there is no doubt in my mind that you are with me all the time. And, and, and I thank you for, for Dr. Paul Hambrick and, and his very encouraging, uh, feedback. And, and I, and I'm thankful, um, you know, just just for the words that he shared. There's so many other words that he that he shared that 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 just really helped me. And and especially the the idea, just the remembrance, just being reminded of why we come together on a weekly basis. And and I love the idea that we come together to be reminded of just how much you've done for us to Amen. to prepare us to 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 make way and 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 to set us up for the next week to get through it through it all because this world is not easy. There, there are many adversities that we, we face on a day-by-day basis. And, and Lord, forgive me for all the times that I've tried to do it all in my own strength and my own power and, and, and all the things that I've done that, that I feel like I've accomplished. Because oftentimes I see some of those things start to fade away and, and make room for new things that you might have prepared. And I'm like, well, I worked hard to get that. And I'm afraid to see that go away. Uh, and, and what's good, what's going to replace that? And I don't know. And it's the whole unknown thing again. And, and God, when I look back over the last three years and see what you've done that I had nothing to do with, it blows my mind. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. So I thank you for that. And, and I turn things over to Rob now, Lord, and I just pray that you be with him and, and your spirit would lead and guide him as he shares what's on his heart. Father, first, thank you for this time that we've uh, been granted to to talk about you, to think about you, to to have com- uh, to have community in you. Lord, thank you for Dr. Paul's words that we may realize and know freedom that we don't owe you anything that you have in fact paid for it all and that is a message that we need to hear and remind ourselves on a regular basis i pray that we would move past the feeling that there that that knowledge would sit upon our heart thank you for your word thank you for speaking to us and like dr paul even mentioned that the the sacrament is the word just in a different form. I thought that was beautiful. So thank you for Dr. Paul's feedback. Lord, we would uh, ask that you would be with us through the remainder of the week, that you would guide us in the decisions that we need to be, that we need to make for our business and for our lives and 
And I just pray that we would do all things in love, that we would do it with a sincere heart. Lord, I just pray that that we would be a people that would confess our sins, that we would repent, that we would know how much you dislike sin, and that we would know that we show our love best by obedience. And that we not do it in obligation, but we do it out of a response of love. I pray that we would be a people that would love others, that we would be beneficial to others. I pray that we would not be consumers, but that we would, in your grace, turn into producers. Not for our own glory, but that your love might be extended in this world. I lift up Cliff's family. I lift up my own family. The times that we've had uh, recently has been stressful, and I pray that we would reorient ourselves, align ourselves with you, know where you're at, know that you're with us. Thank you again everything. Thank you for everything that you are and everything that you've done. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.